And I want you guys to leave with this in mind today. Your love can have an impact in God. Your love can leave a thumbprint in his heart today. The way that you love him will reflect. And Jesus can be like, wow, I want that. He wants to he wants for us to have that heart for him, a burning heart, a heart on fire for him. In this story, Mary of Bethany loved Jesus so much that Jesus like, this, this right here is going to be remembered for generations and generations to come. This impact that left in Jesus' heart it was amazing. This woman was not a disciple. This woman didn't have a huge ministry. She didn't go out and preach the word. She didn't have followers that, like, wherever she went, they would go. She loved Jesus. She didn't have a huge ministry. But yet she still poured her whole self out to him because she loved him in that way. She didn't care what people were going to say about her. In this meeting, she's going to make it into the Hall of Fame. Hebrews 11 talks about that. If you guys, I encourage you to jot that that down. Hebrews 11, if you guys want to read about the Hall of Fame, the great heroes of of the Bible that, that made it in there, how incredible would that be to make it into the Hall of Fame of heaven? Because the way we love Jesus here on earth because of the way that we poured out ourselves, not caring what anybody would say, that's the way that God wants us to be. On fire for him. Not stagnant. Not hiding away from you. Not being ashamed of who he is. And you can find this story in three of the Gospels. You find it in Matthew 26. You find it in Mark 14. And you find it in John 12. Let me tell you about this moment in history. Let me tell you a little bit about this woman. So we know that Jesus is traveling into this place called Bethany, and he goes into Simon's house, Simon's who had previously healed of leprosy. We don't know exactly why he was there. We don't know if it was a get-together, someone's birthday, or if they just wanted to have dinner, or we don't know if Jesus was there to teach. We don't know if, if, if there were Pharisees there trying to, you know, capture him, trying to trap him, trying to catch him off guard. Maybe he's teaching about the theology of, of, of the heart and what it means to truly love God. Maybe some came to be healed. Maybe they heard about this Jesus, this Jesus that had been healing and releasing people of their oppression. Maybe there were some of those people there that's like, I want more of this Jesus. I want to know who this Jesus is. I want to go and be where he is. We, we don't know. But we do know that, that they met. It was an organized place. And then suddenly, like, it's just, again, like, imagine this. You're, you're there, you're, you're listening to Jesus speak, and out of nowhere, a woman like barges in there and has this jar filled with this expensive perfume, breaks it and grabs it and starts anointing Jesus from his head to his shoulder and his feet. She starts doing that, and then the scripture says that there was this fragrance that filled the room. 
And everyone was in shock. What is she doing? Who is this woman? How dare she? They got mad. They were mortified. How can this be? How can this be? When she got down to Jesus' feet and starts wiping his feet with her hair. That was super extreme for her to do something like that. That she would throw herself down and cry and weep at the feet of Jesus. She didn't care what people were thinking about her. She didn't care what people would say about her. She had one goal in mind. I'm going to love Jesus. I'm going to anoint Jesus with all that I have, with everything that I have, without caring what people are going to think about me. She made people mad. Can you imagine that? Would you be mad if someone barged in and did this and broke your, your, your organization, your structured meeting? What would you guys do? Let's throw up that image of the alabaster jar. It's a pretty picture. It's a nice jar. This, this jar was used to filled with like that, that um, nard, that expensive perfume. And it was equivalent, the Bible says, to 300 denarii, which equivalent now would be like the equivalent of someone's average salary, which is around, what, 40000 a year? Something like that? 50000 And she wasted it all. She didn't care. She didn't use a little bit. She didn't be like, oh, you know, this is really expensive, but she's going to be there, and I want him to smell good. It's going to be great, so I'm just going to use like a little dab, and it'll be good, and then I'll save, I'll save the rest. No. That was not her thought process. She used all of it. All of it. And the first to say something about this was Judas. He was horrified. He was angry. He said, we could have helped so many people. Why, why couldn't Mary just give him the jar and be like, hey, uh, Jesus, this is... Man, like, I really want to give you this, and please use it which, however you see fit. You can sell it. You can, like, par- partition it out. You can do whatever you want. She didn't say that. But that's where Judas's mind went. We could have sold that and got so much money and helped so many people. We could have helped the poor. We could have built someone's house. We could have bought more food. We could have fed the people that are here. There's so many things that we could have done but we didn't do because she wasted it. Many agreed with Judas there. I'm, I, I'm assuming and i thinking that there were some Pharisees there that were like, yes, Judas, yes, we agree with you. That could have been used for something else. Oh, see, Jesus is going to teach this girl a lesson. She needs to do this. Is, this isn't right. What a waste. What a waste. As this is going on, Jesus spoke, and he said, silence. Silent, be silent. And he said this, why criticize this woman? For she's doing a good thing to me. You will always have the poor. You will always have the poor here, but you won't always have me. 
Judas just thought, oh, here it is. Here it is. Jesus is going to teach her a lesson. But no. Jesus did the complete opposite. And I could see probably Judas was, was there standing, crossing his arms, about to like, yeah, Jesus is going to lay it all on her. And when he heard that, he was like, wait, what? No, 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 that, that, that doesn't, doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound right. Jesus knew where, where his heart was. He silenced everyone. And he said, you have not understood what this woman has done. You have not seen, you have not opened your eyes to see what she's doing at this very moment. At this important moment. She's anointing my body. She's preparing my body because I'm going to be lifted up on a cross and I'm to die for everyone's sin. You're failing to see that. How can you miss it? She's preparing my body for burial. In Matthew 26, 12 through 13, as she's pouring this perfume and she's preparing his body to be buried, he says this, I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deeds will be remembered. This impacted Jesus in such a way that he said, this moment is going to be remembered throughout generation through generation because of the way she has loved me, the way she has blessed me, the way that she has poured herself out, not caring what people would think about her, and throwing herself down. This will be remembered in heaven In fact, it will be talked about for generations. And in this story, we find three kinds of love. Three kinds of love. First, we have the person that plays to love God. Second, we have the person that says, I will only love God when necessary. Only when necessary. And third, We have the type of person that will love Jesus no matter what. No matter what is going on in their life, I'm going to love Jesus because I know that his word is true and I know that his word never returns void. I will trust him because I've seen him do great things. Ask, Ask yourself this question. Where do you fit under these three categories? Are you the person that plays to love God? Are you the person that only loves God when necessary, when, when you just need him right now? Are you the type of person that will go out all in for Jesus all the time because you have a good connection with the Father? John 12, 4, 6 says this. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wage. He did not say this because he cared for the poor. That's not where his heart was. He was a thief. Judas was in charge of collecting the offering. He was in charge in wherever they went. They collected all the tithes. He was in charge of that. So that means he probably had like a, a little pouch, a little leather pouch with money in it. 
and he felt entitled to steal from it because why it benefited him. He could do what he want. Oh, they won't notice if I take 10 coins. Oh, I need to go buy this. And he justifies it. He was a thief. As keeper of the money, he used to help himself to it. So Judas falls under what? The first kind of love. He was playing to love God. Judas falls under that first kind of love. He didn't care about the poor. He cared about the money. He appeared to love Jesus. Raise your hand. Do you guys think Judas loved Jesus? I, I, I think so. Because otherwise he would have not spent three years with him. He followed him because what it benefited him. He got free stuff. He got free food. He got to help himself with a little bit of money. He loved him. Yeah, it was nice to be around him. So I think he did. Otherwise, he would not be there. Or spent three years with someone that you didn't love. Maybe for a little bit, but and then he would have gone away. He loved him only this much. Just because it benefited him. Just because he got what he wanted. What's going to benefit me? But he was so ready to betray him. You'll give me how much? You want Jesus and you'll give me what? 30 silver coins. Done. Done. I'll do it. 30 silver. Mm. Get food. Get myself a nice place. Who knows? And he only loved Jesus a little bit. Is there something in your life right now that you love more than Jesus? Is it something that's drawing you away, that's pointing your eyes and fixing your eyes on something else rather than loving Jesus or God more and having that relationship with him? Whatever that may be, whether that be addictions of whatever sort, whether that be like just hanging out with the wrong friends, I'd rather hang out with my friends because it's a lot cooler that way. I'll get to Jesus when I get to him. I'll, I'll, I'll pray about it later. I'll, I'll ask for forgiveness later. I'll worry about that when I need to worry about it. My friends, I had that. I had friends that I hung out with that led me the wrong way. I, I went to the parties. In fact, my house was the party house. People would come over, let's go to Hobby's house because we can do whatever we want there. We can get away with all the things. And I was like, yeah, like, this is cool. I'll go to church. But you know what? This is so much more cooler. I get to be my friends. We get to like, listen to whatever we want. We get to watch whatever we want. This is great. Yeah, I love Jesus, but I'm going I'm to put you aside real quick because my friends are more important to me. I'd rather hang out with my friends because that gives me life. But they were not good friends, my friends. They were friends that got me into drugs, got me smoking, got me not caring about school. And I was going downhill fast, really fast. And I loved it. I loved hanging out with friends. I didn't think anything was wrong. I didn't think that nothing was going to affect me, but it did. It was slowly killing me inside. It was slowly killing that relationship 
with Christ. And it wasn't until I realized what it was doing to my life that I had to cut those friends out. It wasn't easy, but I had to. I loved Jesus more. I didn't want to be faking it. I didn't want to be playing to love God. When I was so involved with the church, I had that conviction, that that change of heart. My friends, if, if you're there right now in this moment, this is the moment right now to just lay it all at the cross and be like, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to get rid of those bad friends. I want to get rid of this addiction. I don't want to do it anymore because it doesn't make me feel good. Turn from that. Can accountability and whatever that looks like. We have friends, we have community here that is ready to love on you no matter what, that it's not here to judge you in anything. But if anything, it's here to encourage you and say, like, you got this, we can do this together. Especially with God at our side. He loves you so much. He loves you, loves you so much. And I believe, I believe if Judas would have turned and ran to God and got on his knees and asked, Jesus, Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me. I don't, I don't want this. I'm sorry that I betrayed you. I'm sorry that I did this to you. I'm sorry this is happening. I believe Jesus would have forgiven him. I believe Jesus would have picked him up and hugged him. It's okay. It's okay. Instead of Judas running to the cross, turn around and ran to the wrong tree. He ran to another tree, tied a rope around it, and hung himself. Instead of clinging to the cross, instead of going there and asking God, Papa, please, have mercy on me. I'm sorry for what I've done. He turned around, being too ashamed. And they end up taking his life. When he had that moment that God could have saved him. Let's stop playing to love God. Don't be, don't be lukewarm. Ask God for forgiveness and he will do it. Whatever you love more, that, 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 whatever your identity is in that, whatever that bad addiction is, God wants to take that and remove that from you today. And how much are you willing to step out of that and say, you know what, Jesus, I don't want to live this way anymore. I want to be over here with you. And the second kind of person is a person that is a follower of Christ. It's a person that, 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 has, that goes and goes to all the events and does everything well, but outside of church, outside of church, he's different. You'd see him outside and be like, what? Like, they're, weren't you just at church raising your hand and now you're over here, like, watching things that you're not supposed to? You're over here hanging out with friends that aren't benefiting you at all? And you lose that passion inside of you. When you're up here raising your hands and you're, yes, Lord, I love you, I love you, I love you. And then right outside, you're a different person. And you, and you pray, and, you God, and God does things because he loves you, and you're here, and you're serving him, but you only love God in the necessary. 
Only when, when, when you feel like, yeah, you really need him. Oh, yeah, I'm just going to go over here and I'm going to pray and ask God for this. But then once you get what you want, you'll go away and back into whatever you were that you were doing. And you stop spending that time with Christ. You aren't a true lover of Christ, but you're also not a traitor of Jesus because you still come and you still serve and you still do all the things. We go to events and we get the spiritual high and it's so great, it's so awesome, we get so stoked about it and then we meet with our friends and we go out, but my friends, I've, I've gone to those camps and we gather with my friends and we'll go to like Sonic and eat places and then we don't even share. We talk amongst ourselves, we build that friendship, which is amazing, but we miss opportunity to share with our waiters, with, with the people that are working, when we have so many opportunities to go out, but what we don't want to get out of our comfort zone, because it's scary. Because it's scary to go out, it's like, oh, I don't know what to say. Jesus will, will give you the words. You just have to allow him to flow through you. Allow him to, to work in you. When you come back from those camps, it's a great opportunity to fully engage with your community, fully engage with your schools, with your homes, your parents, your siblings, in your neighborhood. We hang out with friends, and yet we, sh- we fail to share Jesus with those around us. How many of you guys remember I will statements? From, from small groups, one, two, a few, I, I will statements. I will read my Bible every day for 10 minutes. I will read my Bible every day for 15 minutes. And then we'd come back, how do you do on, on your 15 minutes? Uh, well, you know, yeah, I'm really tired, and you know, I read once, and then you stop, but... Oh, but man, like, there's this new video game that came out. I played it all night. It was so cool. I watched this great movie. I hung out with friends. And we do all these other stuff that we could have spared 15 minutes in the morning or afternoon, whatever. If it's spending those 15 minutes every day is so crucial. It's so crucial to spend time with the Father, to spend time praying and asking, Father, what would you want me to do today? Lord, I have a busy day ahead of me, but Father, how can I bless you today? How can I reach out to someone today? How can I put a smile on someone's face? That person at the lunch table that sits by themselves that no one talks to, how can I bring more of of you into their life? And we forget. We rush out the door, or we come back from a tired day, and as we're praying, we just hmm, fall asleep. 15 minutes is not that much. 15 minutes won't, won't, won't take away much of your time. But it means everything to Jesus. It means everything to him when you are down on your knees, when you're opening up your Bible, when you're closing your eyes, and you're having that connection with the Father and asking him and pressing into his word, Father, what do you want me to know today? We don't have that passion sometimes. And I've struggled with that. In those I will statements. But I want to encourage you, it's doable, guys. You guys have phones, you guys can set alarms and everything. Have meet with the Father, meet with Him every day. It will change your life, I promise you. I promise you. 
Some people might say, oh, that's, that's too much. That's too much. You don't have to be so radical. Can we throw up that slide of the radical definition, please? And the dictionary defines this word radical as favoring or representing extreme forms of religious fundamentalism. I was raised in a home like that. I was taught, you know, hobby, serve God, do everything, encourage everyone, but you know what? Sometimes uh, don't, don't, don't go out and take so big risks. Serve God and, and do everything, but you know, like don't, if God is not really calling you anywhere, don't, don't do anything, but Javi, I, I just don't, don't do things and rushing out of things. It was good to stay in my comfort zone. Yeah, I love Jesus, I did, but sometimes God would tell me to go do things, and I'm like, oh, no, I don't want to, I don't want to go pray right now, I don't want to go, I know I'm supposed to go pray for that person, but I don't want to get out of my comfort zone. But something changed inside. Something's like, you know what? No. God, God wants me to do something. God wants me to go out and step in faith. And he's going to change something. And I'm going to do something about it. And one of those things was I used to hang around with a lot of people that said a lot of bad words. And that was one of them. I cussed a lot. And that's something that like, changed. And I was like, no, I, I can't be doing this anymore. I can't, I can't be doing that kind of thing. And an example of that would be like, example of being too, too radical is, is stepping out of your comfort zone and saying, you know what, guys, I'm not going to hang around you guys anymore. Oh, well, why, Hobby? Like, oh, it's not about, no, no, I, I, I love Jesus more. That I can't allow my mouth to, to say all these curse, curse words and then yet turn around and, and pray and ask God, you guys have turned, heard that term, like, do you kiss your mother with that mouth? <laughs> I was that guy. Um, but I asked God to change that inside of me. Another example of being too radical is when you're dating someone and then making the choice, I'm, I'm going to not kiss my girlfriend or boyfriend until, until we get married. And this world might say, that's crazy. That's crazy. Why, why would you do that? And people say, I have that conviction. I, I want to glorify God in that. When God calls us to do something, when he's convicting us to do something, it's up to us to take that leap of faith, to go out and do it, without caring what people might say. Because that's what God is calling you to do. Not them, but you. Or us, me. He called me, Javi, I don't want you to cuss anymore. I, I, I want to take that from you. It doesn't look good. If you're going to bless someone, bless them. And don't use your speech, your mouth, to go and curse. God is calling you to do something out of the norm. Do it. God is calling you to go pray for that person. Do it. God is calling you to, to go out and, and give someone a hug and tell them that, that they're loved. Do it. God is calling you to pray for your parents. Do it. God is, is calling you to read your Bible more. Do it. Do it. God has something big in store for each and every one of us. And God will provide. 
Being radical is trusting God and knowing that he is going to take care of us no matter what we do. Being radical is not being afraid to tell someone, hey, you know what, stop cussing because it's not good. Being too radical is, is, stop, is stop watching explicit scenes on movies or whatever show it is that has those kind of scenes. It's fleeing from that. Being radical is running away from temptation because you love Jesus more. Because Jesus screams louder and louder than those temptations that are trying to bog you down, that are trying to drown you. Jesus wants you to turn from that. Jesus doesn't want you to be in in that. He wants to take that away from you. He wants you to step out of your comfort zone. God will provide. God is with you. God has given you a spirit of boldness to encourage you to make a difference. And we do it because we love Jesus. Not so, not so people can say, oh, wow, look what he's doing. No, it's like what Jesus is doing in my life, in our lives. Revelations 2, 3 through 4 says this. You have plenty Suffered. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or love each other as you did at first. You lost your first love. You were doing so well. You were reading your Bible so much. You were going out and praying for people and doing all these things. And yet somewhere along the lines you stopped. And some might say, well, Jesus asked for too much. No, no. Jesus doesn't want too too much. He wants everything. He wants all of you. Because he wants to give you a life of blessings. He wants to encourage you. Sure, it might hurt or it might feel weird to get out of your comfort zone, but the war is so much greater. The reward is so much greater when we choose to follow God, when we trust him to know that he will provide for us, that he will make the difference. We gain so much when we follow him. We gain so much when we trust Jesus and we follow the things that he's called us to do. It reminds me of again in in Revelations 3.15 where Jesus is talking about, you know, spitting you out, being too cold or too hot. Who likes Starbucks? Yeah, I like Starbucks too. Cold or hot? Cold. Oh, wow. Okay, hot. Okay, we got one. Hot. Great. <laughs> okay, cold. Okay, okay, cold. All right. So let's say that you get your cold iced coffee and you're sipping on. Mmm, so good. But then you say that you forget about it. You leave it there. And then when you finally see it, you're like, oh my gosh, it's my coffee. Woo! Mmm, so good. Still cold. Yeah, it's good. But you forget that all that ice has now melted. And it tastes like maybe like two teaspoons of coffee and the rest is water. That does not sound good at all. And you just want to like throw it out. You want to throw it away. Because it doesn't taste good anymore. It's lost its flavor. You don't want anything to do with it. And that's the way Jesus sees us sometimes when we become cold, when we step aside from him, when we don't follow him anymore. 
when we don't carry him like how we would carry that, that iced coffee around, when we're constantly sipping on, constantly taking that drink from him, Jesus wants that. He wants us to dive into his word, to take from his word, to taste his word. Psalm 34 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. But when we forget about him, we end up with watered-down coffee, and he doesn't even want that. And he spits us out. He vomits it out. He's like, I don't want that. I wish you were hot, or I wish you were cold. I could do something. But if you're lukewarm, if you're watered down, I don't want it. I don't want it at all. Let's not love Jesus only when it's necessary. Let's love him all in. All in. Our hearts on fire for our Savior. The third kind of person. The third kind of person is like that of Mary. In John 12, 3 says this, Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive pure perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it wiping his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with fragrance. That's so... 12 pounds, like what, a pound? She took a pound of that stuff and anointed Jesus with it. She didn't care that she had wasted that. For her, it was not a waste. Mary loved him more than the expensive things that she had. She gave it her all. And people saw her and judged her right there on the spot. Yet she did not care about her reputation there. She took her hair. She dipped it in the oil. She did whatever she did, and she started cleaning Jesus with it. Girls, can you imagine that? Like, take your hair. And imagine you doing that. Imagine you grabbing your hair, dipping it in that oil, that perfume, and then washing someone's feet with it. Who would do it? Who would do that? When you don't know where those people's feet have been, back then they didn't have shoes. They didn't have Nikes. They didn't have, like, cool shoes that they could, like, show off. No. They had sandals, and they didn't have paved roads or anything like that. Had roads that had a lot of dust, a lot of mud, had animal waste on it, and they'd walk through it, and all that stuff would they they would pick it up. And they would pick it up. So imagine that. Imagine her cleaning someone's feet that's so dirty that's that they probably smelled maybe like Parmesan cheese, blue cheese. But yeah, see, who would do it? Who would do it? She didn't care. She didn't care about her beauty. She didn't care that she would get her hair dirty. She wanted to love Jesus in such a way that she didn't care what people would say about her. She did it because she loved him. She did it because she wanted to show that's how much I'm all in. And my friend's nard was expensive. It was extremely expensive, and I don't, the Bible doesn't say, like, where she got it. We don't know if it was a gift given to her from her parents. She inherited it. 
We don't know if she really worked for years and years and years to save up to, have, to buy this little security thing that she could hold on to in case when things would get tough, she could take some of it and like divide it up and then sell it however she seemed fit. We don't know. And we know back then there, were, there weren't retirement plans. You couldn't like have like a little, you know, 401k, if you guys know. But that's all she had. She could be saving it for something that she could have used that would have benefited her and maybe her family. But she was willing to destroy it. She was willing to not use a little bit of it, but use absolutely all of it. And she loved Jesus more than her financial situation. She loved Jesus so much that she didn't care that she would lose that security. She did not. And in that, Jesus impacted him so much, so much that he said that, I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed, what she has done, will be remembered. My friends, here we are 2,000 years later in Woodlands, Texas, preaching about it, talking about it. I closed my mind when I was doing the study. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. She would do that. Would I do that? My friends, Jesus remembers those who are anointed, worship leaders, people that are commissioned as missionaries, pastors that lead big churches, that are anointed, they have their anointed ministries. Jesus remembers those who anoint him. The people that go all out, that change their decisions, that break protocol, that I'm going to go do this because I love Jesus without having a big ministry. I'm going to go out and and preach the gospel. That's how much I'm going to love Jesus. And they make it into that hall of fame in Hebrews 11. I want to be there. I want to be in the hall of fame of, of, of heaven to know that I was able to love God with all of my heart, with all of my strength, with all of my soul that I would pour out all of me, all of me, not just a little bit, but all of me. And that's not serve without boasting. If we serve, we do it for a heart for Christ, not saying, look at me, look at me, look, look what I'm doing. But doing it in such a way that's like, Father, I'm doing this because it's going to glorify your name. I'm going to do this because it's going to impact someone today. Let's have that heart. Let's get that passion back inside of us. And as, and as we wrap up in the sermon, there's a, there's a story that I want to share with you guys. Um, I want to invite the band if they want to make their way back up here. Guys, we live in a time where we're not persecuted here in the States. We can go out freely and preach and talk about Jesus and save someone and get them baptized and meet with them at our homes, at churches, in the park, at Starbucks, at Torchies, and all these places. We can go out there and have conversations, deep, meaningful, gospel, truth-based conversations with people. And there's people throughout the world that can't have that, that they have to hide and meet and talk about Jesus in the secret 
Because if, if they did, if they would go out in the streets and go, would go out to like the restaurants and have these small groups, they would get killed. They would get killed. One of the most dangerous places right now, one of the most dangerous places that Christians are being persecuted right now is in North Korea. There's a story as I was reading and as I was diving into this message. There's a pastor of the name of Kim. He lived in North Korea. And he pastored around 25 to 30 people. They would meet and they would gather and then they would go and like and worship together in, in, in the quiet and ask God to bring restoration to North Korea, to bring healing into North Korea, for North Korea to be known for a city of God. And they would meet together underground, under subways, and proclaim to each other, to encourage each other. They found him there in the subways. And one, one day, as they were doing, they were doing these meetings, they were doing construction up on the roads, and it caved in, and all the destruction was there, and then the guards saw that there's people meeting there, and then they violently dragged them out and pulled them out and said, what are you guys doing? What is this? What are you doing? And they lined them up and they gathered them with around 2,000 people watching. And they took them by force and they said, deny Jesus right now. Deny him right now or we'll kill you. Deny him. And they said, no. And they did this, this moment where like, they picked up the little children and the parents saw them take their children away from them and in front of them tied a rope around them. And those who are parents might, like, this might affect you more. But they grabbed them and they started strangling them in front of them. And the parents just watching, just their children being tortured in front of them. Going up to them and just kissing them on the cheek. It was five minutes. It was five minutes. We'll meet you up there. It was five minutes. And as this continued on, they laid them on the floor. They made him lay down on the ground, and they set a tractor up, and they said, if you guys don't abandon your faith right now, we're going to run you over. We're going to crush you. We will not. We will not deny our faith. We will not. And they started crushing them. And in the story, they said that they start singing this more love to thee, O Christ, more love to thee. And the guards could not shut them up. They could not get them to be quiet. And as the tractors running them over, crushing them, and those that were left, they started singing louder and louder, more love to thee, more love to thee. And then their voices ceased. And all of heaven was silent. All of heaven was silent. And I can see the Father just sitting down, and Jesus being next to him and seeing... Excuse me, Father. I have to go. And he walks over and he opens the door and he welcomes Pastor Kim and his 25. And he welcomes him and gives him a hug. You were little, you were faithful in the little, and I'm going to bless you with all of this. What a powerful story. My friends, what are we willing to give up right now? What, what is it that we're holding on that like, we, we don't want to get rid of? And we want to go all in for Jesus. And he says, in the little you were faithful. And I'm going to bless you and I'm going to put you high up here. I want that for us. I want that for us. What is most important to you right now? 
Is, is it addictions? Is it friends? Is it drugs? Is it what is it? Jesus wants to give that and be like, no, I, I want you. He's more important to us. My friends, we have communion in the back. We have our tithe and our offerings. We have prayer partners that are going to be up here with us. And there's anything that you're struggling with that you don't know how to get rid of, they're here to pray for you. Let's bow our heads, my friends. Father, I pray that, that Father, we, we love you more, Lord. We don't want to play just loving you. We don't want to love you just the necessary, but we want to go all in for you. We're going to break protocol, not be ashamed of who you are. Lord, help us have that. Lord, we want that. Help us meet with you every day. Father, we give you our hearts. Lord, we know that you love us. Father, forgive us. Help us. Encourage us, Father. Pray these things in Jesus' name. My friends, let's respond as we feel like.